not working. What was that noise? I see something outside. Don't go out there! Prepare yourselves for a dark and twisted tale. Wanna play a game? How long can you survive? Hello and uh, welcome back all you spooky people out there. So today, Tor and I got to watch the new horror film, Fear Street, 1994. The first in a trilogy. Yes, which actually I'm very excited about because Netflix is releasing all three of these movies like a week apart. But what also makes this special is the author. Yes. You want to tell them who wrote it? We're talking about the legendary R.L. Stein. And this is supposed to be like his R-rated or PG-13, more adult version of his stories that we grew up on. Yeah. Goosebumps used to scare the crap out of me as a kid. Oh, God, yeah. Not a Living it. Dummy was just... Oh. Which I know <laughs> that's everyone's kind of go-to because Slappy is just such a terrifying, iconic character from R.L. Stein. See, I always go back, I don't remember what movie or book it was, but a family moves in to, you know, a small town, and I remember there's something to do with, like, a picture, and then zombies come, and the family ends up getting out alive, but their dog doesn't, the dog turns into a zombie, Aww. and it all, like, revolves around that one picture, on, like, the they can't take down from their mantle or something like that. Yeah. There was another photo one where it's on this kid finds this camera and like every time he takes a photo of them, he sees kind of like how they're going to die and then his friends end up dying that way. Yeah. Same with the, I think it was called Fear Land where there's like a family that have like car troubles and ended up stopping at this amusement park that's run by monsters. And God, so many good Goosebumps stories. I cannot remember most of their names, but I remember watching the show Actually, and I think it's on Netflix or Hulu right now. Yeah. So good. But yeah, so we are going to be talking about the lovely Fear Street 1994. And then for the next two weeks, we're also going to be doing reviews for the following ones. For like, you know, the second movie and third movie in the trilogy. I'm excited because this was a R-rated R.L. Stein movie. Before we dive into it, spoilers. Major spoilers, because yes. it literally just came out today. today. <laughs> so, uh, Tori, what was your thought on it? So, I always love R.L. Stein, but there were a lot of things that were so predictable. Like, from the beginning, you see one of the characters, one of the girls that works into the, in the mall, talking to a mother about a book, and it's named something like When a Stranger Calls. I'm like, okay, like, I already know how she is going to die. It's basically going to be a huge, like, ghost face, like, scream type of thing. Which the opening of the movie was very much a homage to Scream. Like, very. down to the girl running in slow motion getting stabbed. That was literally the scene of Drew Barrymore's death. Just, you know, not at a house that took place in a shopping mall. Yeah, Maya Hawk actually did really good in that. Her Which, little 10, 15 minute thing. Yeah. 
But it's so crazy because, I mean, she has such big celebrity parents, you know, Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. So, like, it's nice to see that she's uh, doing a bit of acting, following her parents' footsteps. Well, besides Stranger Things. Well, of course. <laughs> but when we were looking, or when we saw her at the beginning of the movie, we were like, why does she look so familiar? I was like, yeah, I looked it up. We're like, oh, it's her. <laughs> Yeah, and I already know that in the second movie, one of the other stars from Stranger Things is going to be in there as well, which I'm excited for. Yeah, no, I like how Netflix kind of keeps their, their little cast and crew together. It's nice. It's like a little family. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the one thing that I can say about it is it's a classic predictability on a lot of things. The trailer gave away a lot. Even the title sequence gave away, like, a lot about the three movies. Like, mm -hmm. there's... And they start talking about the witch very early on. Which makes sense. I mean, you gotta establish it. Uh, because when you're going to the movie, if you didn't know anything about the witch, you would just assume, oh, serial killer, serial killer gets shot in the head. Now it's gonna be, like, a copycat killer, kind of like Scream. I kind of wanted to be not the one witch, not... Not Sarah Fear or whatever. Sarah Fear or whatever her yeah. name is. I kind of want it to not be her, but like a cult from, was it 1866 that blamed her and then like... 16. 1666. Yeah, because the third movie is called uh, yes. 1666. Way back in those days with like Salem Witch Trialish. Um, I kind of wanted to end up being like a family of witches that just go down generations, I think that would be a good twist. Like, I don't think that having it as Sarah Fear, Fear, like, that's just really too predictable. And she's, like, an easy scapegoat. I don't know. They're setting up the whole, like, you know, backstory with her, which obviously this is a big thing apart, like, spanning across three movies. I mean, the third one, we're basically getting the, the first killing or whatever it was. So, like, clearly the witch is important. I never read the books, so I don't know what Same, the series yeah. entails. But judging based off the movie, you know, I, I did enjoy it. Was it a perfect movie? No. I did really love the opening, though, just because it did remind me of the opening of Scream a lot. And that's always kind of nice to see. Mm-hmm. But uh, the deaths were pretty brutal, you know? They, they didn't shy away from, like, the stabbings or anything. Oh, I think I know what your favorite death was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I bet you know. I think it's definitely Kate's death. Oh, 100%. That was such a good death. Oh, oh man. She got her... Fa I felt bad for her. I actually didn't want her to die. I know. She's like this badass cheerleader. Like, there's... <laughs> slash drug dealer. Slash valedictorian. But, <laughs> yeah. She's smart as hell. Um, and I really wanted her to, like fight back more and actually survive right see i was expecting maybe like simon to die which i mean he did die but i i was thinking maybe like okay when we get the second one we'll probably see one of the other friends die in that one kind of like how they did in scream when they killed off um the one joker friend i want to say in the second movie yeah and then he came back in the third is like oh this is gonna be a trilogy then yeah well he was dead in the third this is a videotape giving the movie rules yeah, that's why I'm saying that. But, uh, yeah, so and that's what I was kind of expecting a little bit of. I was a little bummed when Kate died. I mean, her death was really cool because, you know, she lit the skull guy on fire, for one thing, which is really awesome. But then she, she hits her face pushed into a bread cutter. She oh. fought back, though. Yeah, she hard. tried. Like, 
she caught his hand when he was going to like stab, stab her. her in the chest. Yeah, she like put the uh, the muffin tin like in front of her chest. Yeah, to like stop it. And on another part of the movie, I think she actually like hit him or one of the other people with something. Like she was badass. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't want to die. Even though, even with the whole thing of her being like, well, they're only after Sam, like, I, you know, I, I don't blame her in that position. Because if you're a high school, you don't want to die. I kind of get the, well, he's not after us. Why should we help? Like, And especially that whole rivalry of one, basically, east side against west side. The... Shady side <laughs> versus Sunnyvale. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the one that they're trying to sacrifice is basically the ex-girlfriend of one of her best friends, who they've literally been shit-talking, like, the whole movie, which yeah, I, I actually agree with you, like, Sam was actually the good person in that breakup. Oh, yeah, not, no, the main character, Dina, yeah. was a complete asshole. She wasn't the one that broke up with Dina. Dina broke up with Sam because... Sam's parents got a divorce and her mom moved her to like the ritzy, well, like the ritzy city next, the next to sunny, them. Sunnyvale, basically. Yeah, Sunnyvale's all the hoity-toity vale. people. Yeah. And yeah, and Dina broke up with her because of that and was like, oh, you're just ashamed of yourself. She's like, no, my parents got a divorce. Like, what do you what Which do you, you can't <laughs> see through the movie, though, that Sam is ashamed I don't know. I but, think she's being manipulated by Dina. Dina was so, like, she was playing her the entire, she was a little asshole. Well, you could also tell from the mom at the end, like, the huge glare and stink that she gave Dina. Well, yeah. Um, as well as just how forceful she was with Sam. And you could tell that it was one of those situations where, like, she wanted to be who she was, which is a lesbian or bi, I don't know what which she, she would be. She was dating a guy at one point. Pita, that little Pita. asshole also. Yeah. Glad he died. But she can't because her mom's really strict and it's the 90s and it's basically harder to come out at that point. So I get both sides, but I'm just like, yeah, Dina was an asshole, especially with someone that, like, I've been through that kind of situation before, so sucks yeah no she just seemed super manipulative in the beginning when she brought the box to her she was just like calling her out and it's like whoa man like i'm having a crappy home life you're the one that broke up with me don't come here and start crap she didn't even want to go to the game that night she was literally giving the box to kate to give to sam but then say or kate's like no like rejoin band and come with us like you need to give it to her yourself and blah 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 so she didn't want to go to that game at all like she just wanted to give her her stuff back yeah and forget about her almost but still i mean she went there and just started yelling at her like oh who's that guy you broke up with me you don't have any business knowing i don't know i just didn't like dina in the movie yeah, her brother... I kind of would have wanted Dina to die over Kate. <laughs> yeah, like Kate was at least more likable. Like, you know what you got with her? And then Josh, I was really hoping he wasn't going to die, which I'm glad he didn't. I was so yeah, nervous the at the end. Josh was uh, Dina's younger brother. He's... He's a total nerd. He was a great character. He's the one that basically collected all of the stories from the town like he's a crime junkie 
basically, and helped everyone figure out what the hell was going on. At one point when Simon, after he's attacked by the girl from like the 50s or whatever, Ruby, he's just like, oh yeah, like, was she singing this song? And Simon's like, how the fuck do you know that? Because she slit her wrist and it's this whole story. Like, basically zombies are coming after them because of this witch. (laughs) Yeah, like, and actually I kind of enjoyed that. How the witch basically turns people in the town into serial killers. So they had, like, almost every decade a new serial killer. The whole thing was that because Sam disrupted the grave and touched the witch's bones, she basically had the witch send all her goons after them. And they were hunting her until Sam died. So we got to see, like, at least three different serial killers that were going after them, which I thought was kind of cool. Honestly, though, all the serial killers were pretty cool looking, like, in terms of, like, how they killed people and just, like, their overall look, like the skull killer in the beginning of the movie. He was awesome. The mask was so well done, especially when Kate lights it on fire and saw, like, that burnt skeleton look. It looks so cool. And then you have the, uh, who I'm assuming is going to be the main serial killer in the 70s, but the, the, you know, the hooded scarecrow sack killer guy. Why do I feel like R.L. Stein drew a lot of inspiration from classic serial killers in horror movies? Well, yeah, I mean, he's R.L. Stein. He's a master of horror. Ghostface was the skull guy. Yeah. Carrie was Ruby Lane. No. And one of the Jasons with the bag over his head, or that could also be... Eh, it's a little mixture of uh, Leatherface and earlier Jason Voorhees, I feel I like. I would say Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th Part 2. Because that's where he has the back, or the sack over his face. Yeah. But uh, Carrie, no. Carrie wasn't a knife-wielding serial killer. She was a psychic. Okay, but what... What classic horror movie icon do you think she would be then i'm trying to think of female serial killers i know that's why i automatically go to carrie because the only female serial killers i can really think of are her samara and the other girl samara's a ghost not a serial killer okay still horror movies okay killing people (laughs) yeah i'm not sure i have to think about that actually none come to the top of my head yeah, see, I think Carrie, because just high school girl that kills people, like, okay, that's just the main connection, To be I fair, see. she got messed with super badly when she lit that gym on fire. Yeah, 100%. Also, crazy religious mom. <laughs> we talked about my favorite death. What was yours? You know, I would almost have to say Kate's as well, because her fighting back i like when characters can actually fight back properly like hawk's character in the beginning she actually hit the one guy over the head with a lava lamp to try and run away she called the cops like she was running she was screaming for help she didn't stop and freak out over dead bodies like she seemed like a classic yet non-classic first girl. Final girl. No, Have I first... taught you nothing, Tori? <laughs> no. 
first girl. Like first victim? Yeah, like you obviously know she's going to die. Oh, well, yeah. And she dies in some sort of possibly stupid way. But she also didn't trip and fall over her heels, which is good. I felt very bad about uh, Simon dying. His death was very underwhelming, though. It, well, yeah, because, because he literally, him and the brother stop and realize Kate's dead, and look at that horror mess. And then Simon gets an axe to his head. Like, there's no, kind of no build up to it, other than him running away from Ruby. Yeah. But I felt bad just because it was more like a, they both had that moment of, oh my God, Kate's dead. And then just his eyes widening and then, you know, the axe coming down. And you're just like, oh man, that's a bummer. Like, it wasn't that it was such like a great death scene. It was more just like a, oh, well now I'm kind of bummed he died. Because it was, it was so funny. That one scene of when they're all basically <laughs> with the sex scene. So, you know, like, Dina and Sam go off to do their little make-out session, and then Kate is, is like, kissing Josh, and then <laughs> Simon's jerking off in the bathroom. <laughs> and and then, he confronts them and sees, like, Sam and... Josh come out, and he's like, did you two just bang? No, we barely got to first base. And you just see Josh smiling. Josh. Oh, yeah, Kate and Josh, sorry. Yeah, it was uh, Sam and Dina. Like, after I looked at them, he's like, did we all get some action? Or did <laughs> did you- we all did- go to Pound Town? <laughs> Me too. And you're just like, oh my god, dude. <laughs> like, he was, he's the classic, like, joker. Yeah. Which there has to be the comedian. Has to be, yeah. That is a normal horror trope. What trope would you give Kate, though? I don't think she would be the slut. She would be, that's, that's the closest thing if you're looking at stereotypical tropes, because Josh would be the scholar, where he's the one that has all the information on what's going on. Uh, Dina would be the final girl, and then Sam would be, I mean, the love interest. What were the five things in uh, Cabin in the Woods? There was the... There was the virgin, the joker, the, the, the slut... The jock and the scholar. Those were the five. So do you think that Sam or Dina would be? Well, Dina. I feel like Sam would be the virgin more. No, Dina is the final girl because, and it's not the virgin; it's the final girl. So the final True. girl trope is typically a more masculine female. They typically are a virgin, but that doesn't have to be the case necessarily. And they're the ones that will fight back. So, and, and they're also kind of the main character. So that's why can't, Kate can't be the final girl. So it has to be Dina because she's a little bit more masculine compared to the other girls in, the, in it. Classic example would be Sigourney Reaver in Alien, where, you know, short hair, muscles, taking on the alien at the end. Or even um, if you're going for the more pure essence, it would be Laurie in Halloween. I kind of want a movie where, like... The slut or the stoner becomes the actual final girl. And the virgin, who you think would be the final girl, is actually something else. Like, I want them to, yeah, like, actually, rearrange some of those tropes in some movies. I would argue that they did that in the Friday the 13th reboot. You had 
what's her face from Disney Channel? Uh, she was in Sky High. She was the plant girl. I'm blanking on her name right now. But she was in the remake of Friday the 13th Part 2. Or, or not Part 2. Uh, the remake. And you assume she was the main character. But at the end, she actually ends up dying. And she would kind of fit more of that final girl trope. And the people that ended up living were Sam from Supernatural and his sister who was kidnapped at the beginning of the movie by Jason. So those were the two that ended up making it out alive at the end. Oh, that movie. Okay. I was trying to figure out. I'm like... Yeah, it was the reboot. I was going through so many reboot movies. Yeah, I, f I forgot that she was in that. Yes. I'm blanking on her name, but she's a big actor. It's not Danielle Panabaker, is Actually, it? Actually, no. Yeah, I think it is Danielle Panabaker. Correct us if we're wrong. Yes. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the movie? Well, it's R.L. Stein, so it obviously gets boosts. <laughs> but there is so much predictability, which I love and I hate at the same time, and there weren't really jump scares. No, it was a comedic horror movie. Eight and a half. Okay. I would give it an eight. I'm with you on that. I think the acting was great. I think it was a pretty uh, original storyline for the most part. You typically don't have three separate serial killers plus a witch manipulating all of it coming after you. And it was, it was really funny at moments. And the deaths were pretty gory and brutal. So, I give it an eight out of ten. I'm actually wondering what's going to happen with the cop. You see him slip a note through someone's door slot, probably Dina's. Or Galen Jacobs. Because it said it's happening again. So it would make yeah. more sense for him to put the note in her. And then during the interviews, I feel like he was really trying to get it out of them. But like in the car crash scene, they all stuck to basically the same story. Like nobody was ratting each other out. Obviously, they don't trust the cops, even though it's Sheriff Good with an E. That's another thing. I'm like... <laughs> the names. R.L. Stein was either lazy with some of the names or also genius. Because literally, the sheriff is named Sheriff Good. Literally with an E. And then Sarah Fear. Fear. Instead of F-E-A-R, it's F-I-E-R. Yeah. Like, Which, same pronunciation, but that's why I'm just like... That's why it's a little bit comedic. Yeah. Uh, it's on the nose. <laughs> All right. Well, that being said, get ready for next week's episode where we review part two. Very excited for. And we will spook you guys next time. See ya.